hello to all of you in London, Hamilton, Toronto, listening on 980 CFPL, 900 CHML, 640 Toronto, and online, wherever you may be on this Monday. We're back after the weekend, the weekend that was. I don't want to talk about it, but we need to talk about it. Music fans in a very celebratory mood. The Junos celebrating the best in Canadian music held at Budweiser stage. And with the Junos wrap up, joining us here now is our music expert, Eric Elper, who is on the line. Eric, good afternoon. And I don't know about you, but it was just great to see the Junos live in front of a crowd for the first time uh, in a few years. In the last 11 and a half months, I think since the virtual Juno Awards, uh, everybody like myself who works in the industry, we're just crossing our fingers and hoping that we can come back in person right here in Toronto and show the world really what has gone on in the last 12 months when it comes to the Canadian music industry and so much. I mean, 24 first time winners took home a Juno um, watching women just take the lead on everything. Susan Aguilark got in for the Hall of Fame, getting a humanitarian award. The late Denise Jones, who people in the city probably know her really well. She was the one that kind of helped the reggae category and reggae music in Canada reached the heights that it is. And of course, the the always amazing Deborah Cox right home and performing, getting into the Hall of Fame and Charlotte Carden cleaning up, winning four awards with the sweep. She's like her own version of Adele. Yeah. Talk to us a little bit more about uh, Charlotte, because I know when the nominations came out, you and I talked uh, a bit about uh, Charlotte and this this amazing run in a career that is blossoming now. As you mentioned, the big winner for Junos, including Eric's single of the year. Yeah, she got single of the year, album of the year, uh, among others. For people in Quebec that may know her because she was on their version of The Voice. She is a former model, um, really great heart, um, really amazing personality, um, a little bit in the pop world, a little bit in the R&B world, um, and now it's coming out on her own. So if you're into the cool, hip indie music, you probably already know who she is. Um, but that just goes back to the the, 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 the 24 first-time winners. She won her first, second, third, and fourth of her career. Um, and this is it. This is that next generation of superstars that we're seeing who are bypassing the traditional way of doing it. They're not out there slogging it out on the road. They're not making videos for video channels. They're not even really all that interested in commercial radio. They're going right to their TikTok fans. And in the case of Charlotte and really all five of the nominees in the breakthrough artist of the year category have well over a hundred million followers across social media. So they're just going right to their fan base with videos and songs and talking to their, talking to their fans directly. It was, it was amazing to see. Mm. Cause I was going to ask you about that, uh, Eric, because as I was going to say, you know, Charlotte and several others, when you mentioned 24 first time uh, winners, I mean, what a great launching pad this has been. I mean, maybe a few stars were born winning Junos. Does that still matter? Does that propel you to kind of the next level of your career, do you think? Yeah, I think so. You know, th these artists like Mustafa, who won for Alternative Album of the Year, he's from Regent Park. Tesher, um, who won his first Juno Award. Um, Lauren Spencer-Smith from Calgary. She took home her first time um, uh, nominee. And also she was a presenter. Um, they're looking at it where 
their career right now is around the world. You know, they're not looking at it like, well, we need to break Toronto and then London and Hamilton and then break into Vancouver. They're seeing like a hit is a hit, um, a view is a view, a fan is a fan, but they really understand the importance of winning that Juno first. There's something really special about about bringing your parents and your grandparents and so many of these nominees did. They brought their families onto the red carpet. They didn't have a team of like eight minders and bodyguards. They're not there yet. They found it like amazing that the industry um, has supported them and loved them for, for so much, for such little time that these artists have been around. Um, it was really great to see. All right. A lot of love as well for Avril Lavigne. Talk to us about the return of uh, Avril to the Junos. Yeah, she was certainly one of the most popular people that the fans that were waiting outside for almost seven hours in the blazing sun. Um, but she came, um, she did a little bit of media in the media room um, and she ended up doing a medley of her best love songs. And, you know, when you're a Shawn Mendes, when you're an Avril Lavigne, you are so by every country wanting a piece of you, not necessarily just in touring, but the record label and the management. You've got to make an appearance on this television show in the UK and then fly over to Japan and then Australia. It's so great to know that the Junos have clout when it comes to them to be able to bring them back into home. Arcade Fire is right now is the biggest group in the world with their new album called We. And the fact that they got to perform uh, and was around all weekend long just shows you that the Junos still have clout when it comes to these superstars. All right. I want to mention as well, Simu Liu, who did such a fabulous job <laughs> hosting. Uh, and was this the first time the Junos was broadcast outdoors outside? Did I read that? Um, yeah, I, we were trying to figure out if it wasn't, it looked like that it was, I mean, he was amazing, you know, yeah. going back to the fans that were, that were waiting. He was one of the last arrivals arrived at about six o'clock, um, went about halfway up the red carpet to come inside the room where all the media were waiting for him. He heard his name being screamed by all these fans. He turned around and then took selfies for about 20 minutes with the people that were waiting. That's the mark of a superstar. You know, when they say, that God created all men equal, you take a look at him and you realize that no, 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 that just doesn't, that just doesn't work. Like, you know, him and Sean Mendez together were, were just like gods, you know, they were so beautiful looking, so dressed so nicely. They were, they were true superstars. And, and the fact that they didn't, they, they both kind of took the time to kind of spend with fans was, uh, was really heartwarming. It was really great to see because I love that stuff. I love mm -hmm. it when artists get a chance to do that. All right, just to bring our conversation full circle, let's end where we began with this uh, crowd and this uh, outdoor uh, venue, Budweiser stage. Was there, do you think, uh, Eric, kind of a collective sigh of relief? Because we know the entertainment uh, industry has been a hit, uh, well, you know, one of the hardest during the uh, pandemic, uh, the entertainment and hospitality uh, industry. Was there kind of a, a sigh of relief that, uh, you know, we're back, we're finally back? I heard more people within the industry crossing their fingers and hoping that it went off without a hitch, but I, it depends on who you talk to. There's been tours happening across Canada. They've been outdoor events and indoor events right here in the city of Toronto. But this just seems like to me, the official kickoff of the summer, the fact that the Junos are here next year, they're in Edmonton, who knows when they're going to come back in the city. The weather was perfect. Everything went off without a hitch. And uh, so, yeah, I think it, it was really a turning point for a lot of people that might've just been, 
been a little bit scared to go out and and see shows people were masked as much as they could and much as they wanted it to be some people were some people weren't but that's the way that it's going to be probably until the fall all right eric i appreciate this as always thank you so much and you're right the weather it couldn't have been more uh, perfect uh, for no tour uh, judos thanks so much for having me jeff we'll talk soon you bet there's music expert eric helper and we're back after this break here in the jeff MacArthur show stay with us Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.